everyone, this is Teresa and welcome to episode 4 of Talking with Tea. Before we get into this week's episode, I wanted to give a trigger warning for the episodes that are coming out in April. My guests and I will be talking about sexual assault. If this is a triggering topic for you, please remember to take care of yourself during this time and grant yourself the space and compassion to turn off the podcast if you need to, or to simply take deep breaths to help you get through the episode. With that said, I'm going to go ahead and introduce today's episode. Today, I am joined by my friend Stephanie, who has graciously and courageously agreed to share her story with us. In this episode, we talk about how sharing her story has impacted her life, how trauma manifests, and what healing and accountability can look like for survivors of sexual assault. Let's get right into it. Hello, everyone. Uh, My name is Stephanie, and I'm American Taiwanese. I was born and raised in New York, and I'm actually currently on my gap year uh, before my last year of college. I decided to come to Taiwan to work as and do some internships. Um, and I currently study at Parsons School of Design for communication design and photography. Today, Steph is drinking ginger tea. And I want to give um, just a quick, you know, little fact about ginger tea. Ginger tea helps ease headaches and migraines. And so today for this episode, I want to start off um, by asking Steph, uh, how did we meet and kind of start there and, you know, move on into the topic for today? Yeah, so we met through the dance community because um, we were on a dance project together. It was oh. a showcase, right? <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. That was, <laughs> I remember it's coming back. Oh yeah. Oh, I don't know. I don't know if it's a good. <laughs> but, um, it's just we're laughing because it's um just uh it was an interesting process and a very interesting performance that we put on, mm-hmm. but it is not really on the internet for anyone to find. <laughs> um, but it was it was honestly like a really good I think process because. Um, like practicing with Teresa, I never really was on a team before. So that was the first time I really met um, people from the community and like put on a a show um, together. And so, yeah, and we just have some mutual friends from Outburst, which is the team that I train under. And yeah, and oh, and Sandbox too, because Teresa worked for Sandbox. Uh, I used to take classes there. So it's just like we would see each other at these events here and there but um yeah yeah (laughs) we would yeah Yeah, that was our first time actually meeting and actually like talking to each other um Mm -hmm. I feel like when was this maybe like three three years ago three three oh oh yeah for sandbox yeah yeah or the the showcase right or am (laughs) I thinking (laughs) no I think that was like two years ago like last year maybe like no way, because last year was 2020. Oh my god, we're so oh <laughs> my gosh. Yeah. Time flies. I know, I know. Oh. It's because of last year. Like we just, you know, 2020 was so much that it just went by and yeah. it's like a whole year that is gone. So um and speaking of 2020, I think that was 
um, at least the start of quarantine and then, you know, leading into the summer where there was the protests going on. And then um, I think in our community, the dance community, you know, there was a lot that was being uncovered. And I feel like that was the same for other communities around the world. And so there's this theme of like uncovering the truth and pointing out like perpetrators and people who cause harm. Um, and specifically for us in the dance community on the East Coast, a lot of this kind of activism and awareness um, was happening on Instagram. And I forget which month it was, but I feel like it was like the start of quarantine, right? I want to say maybe like maybe even April, maybe we're a year since all of that happening. But starting in April, there was like a bunch of shit that was just being uncovered about specifically the men in our yeah. community and the shit that they did behind the scenes. And all of that was coming to light. And as a sexual assault survivor myself, that was really hard to watch. And, you know, speaking to other friends who also have been through kind of the same thing, it was just hard for all of us to like bear witness to all of that. So my question to you is like, how did you feel during that time? And what do you remember about that time? Yeah, it's crazy that dance and the dance community kind of segued into the whole Me Too movement and how it like correlated with my story and my experience like like the timing was just so uh strange I guess because it was all like my world's kind of colliding and like my past all at the same time um and so I do remember like you said it was like kind of April May almost like I remember it being like the beginning of the summer and I was alone uh because I was still living in my in my apartment like in Queens at the time and I just remember I saw a post, like one of the dance community posts that came out exposing someone from the New York community. And at that time it hadn't really hit me because I don't think it really registered in my brain that uh, the same things happened to me in the past. I kept, I kept viewing these cases as like, oh, that's like the other. And this is someone that I don't know that well. And this is happening to other people. Like that's really fucked up. And like, that's crazy that's happening to them. And like, oh my gosh, I know this person. So I was kind of more like an ob observer almost not like I couldn't really relate. So I would, I wouldn't say I was like running my mouth but I was just like, yeah, like if you like <laughs> can't believe this motherfucker would do this, <laughs> you know, like, being stupid because you know I didn't really I just kind of did I thought I didn't think twice and I just moved on with my life because it was social media is also just so fast everything's so instant and mm -hmm. for on the other side like for people who are just viewing and can't relate it's just it's just I, I don't know it's just media consumption you know yeah and then <clears throat> it wasn't until I saw a post of a story of Paul Ross from Choreo Cookies um out with a story about being uh, a vic like a sexual assault survivor uh, with the instance with him and then I remember reading that post and then I kind of just like the more I kept reading I think like my brain just like stopped because I was like wait like why does this all sound so like familiar mm. like this sounds so like something about it just feels really really relatable 
Um, and like I said, I was alone. I remember I was at the park and like, I just kind of sat down, I remember. And I just like, my, my head started hurting and I just started like really like all these like repressed memories just started coming mm-hmm. back. And I was like, holy shit. I think like the same thing happened to me. Like this, what happened to this girl, like happened to me, but like, was then, was that, does that mean I was sexually assaulted like in the past? And so that was like a world with, within itself. And so for a few days, I was trying to process that and piece together everything that had happened. And then I think I was just so confused that I called my friend from uh, college and I was like, can I talk to you about it? Cause I'm really confused about like my, where my mind is at right now. And the more I told my story to her, the more everything just started really becoming more clear. And then I think like everything just came out. Mm-hmm. Um, and then from then on, I think like it just hit like the, like a truck, like everything just came out and um, it was like a really hard time. But like I said before, it's just crazy because I guess my story didn't really come from the dance community, but but uncovering it was because of the dance community and because of that movement. And that segued into, I guess, the movement coming up in other, I guess, areas of my life, but also of other people's, like how it had to correlate with a cultural organization in my, in my, um, uh, what it is, in my experience and like a, a college campus and, you know, and for other people, I'm sure they could relate or it happened in, you know, other areas of their life. Uh, you mentioning the um, like college campus kind of experience. I feel like that really describes what the dance community is because it I think it did start from like collegiate dance teams and like these organizations kind of go hand in hand sometimes so like what happens within the dance community is kind of mirroring or also like reflecting what goes on in these college campuses and that culture it reminds me of like a fraternity culture. So I think it does relate, can see why that kind of came up for you. So we're in this dance community and like, you know, all these stories are coming out. And for the dance team that like we were part of, they had their own community um, healing circle. And that's where I was made aware of your story. And I thought, you know, you are so brave to come out like that and to just be so honest about what had happened and how you feel about it, you know, because a lot of the times people kind of just brush it over and they're just like, yeah, this happened. And the affect on their face or their voice doesn't match the story. But I thought for you, when you shared your story with just like a closed group of people, it was so real and so brave of you to do that. And I wonder like, what was going on for you at that time? Did you plan to share or um, was it kind of like in in the moment you're like, this is the right thing for me to do? Yeah, well, for one thing, I'm so grateful that there was a space for me to even share at the time, which I think relates back to what I was saying about timing and just how crazy how this was all going on. And I was like, uh, it was all hitting me and it just happened that our dance team was holding this healing circle like it, it, the time just kind of been more right and so I really am so grateful that there was a space for me because mm-hmm. 
I think I felt so alone at the time because I was, you know, living alone in my apartment in Queens and I didn't feel like I could open up to my parents about this because I just felt so uncomfortable. And I uh, like, I would be calling my friends, like trying to um, go through my story and just try to even make it through the story just to share with them um, because I still wasn't confident enough in you know, putting it out there on social media at that time. And so it was just like, I was reliving all this trauma like every day because I was constantly thinking about it, constantly talking to my friends about it. I kept thinking, if I keep talking about it, maybe I'll get over it. But clearly like at the same time, like trying to deal with trauma doesn't, you can't get over it over like one or two phone calls. It takes months and years and therapy and, uh, just a lot of like time to heal on your own. So I think doing that did help because it let other people hear my side of the story, but also it was kind of detrimental for my own, you know, mental health and like my nervous system because I was like literally constantly reliving the trauma like every day. Honestly, it was like to the point where I would just like be in bed all day and I remember I like physically couldn't like get out of bed I just remember like that healing space was like one of the first steps that made me feel like oh I think I, I have like some hope that like I'm gonna get better from this so I think one of the biggest thing was like I was scared as shit because before that healing space I think I only told like one or two friends by that point and that was the first time I ever really shared like with a group of people and so I remember when the I, before it even starting I remember I did a mental note to myself and I was like I'm gonna share no matter what before this night ends even if you don't want to like push yourself because you will feel better if you do like I just thought like it might help me because I was feeling so terrible like before that and um when the healing space started I closed up immediately I was like no 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 like this is no I changed my mind no like no and like I think by the by how the dynamic was going by the healing space when it first started I think no one wanted to share because it was just like awkward and so it made me feel like okay this is like way too like too much and then you know I started overthinking like I'm just a new member I was only on OB for like a like a semester like I'm not really a member like they don't they don't really know me that well but um I think towards the end we were starting to wrap up and the call was literally about to end and like there was like five minutes left and I think I think uh uh someone was like okay so it's you know last call like anyone want to share and so I was literally shaking so hard I couldn't like click on the thing and I clicked it and think I when I and then when I said my story that's the first time I actually ever vocalized it like and I just kept crying I couldn't even make it through a sentence I was like bawling my eyes out and I think that's when it really hit me like holy shit you've been really holding in like some major trauma like for so many years and like it's actually really 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 bad like what happened to you so that was like yeah it was very like a vulnerable moment for me and I 
I was like sobbing, but I can tell that like everyone on the team had so much empathy because I saw other people also like crying and so many people messaged me after and that gave me so much hope. The fact that people uh, heard my story and felt something and some people even messaged me and was like, I actually can resonate and relate to you so much, but I didn't have the courage to come out with my story. So like that was the first time I think I felt like like hope um at that time because before that I was just trying to deal with it like how how do I even deal with this because I I think it freaked I was like freaking out and kind of in denial like this didn't happen to me like there's no way I'm not I, that like sexual assault like what the f like that sounds crazy um so it really made me feel not not as alone and I think the next time we had that healing space I felt just a little bit more stronger to uh, like be there for other people. Cause I felt like the first time when I shared my story, it was more for like, like myself. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't really strong enough to like give support to other people. But the second time around, I felt like I had the energy to share and people like listened. So now it's my turn to listen as well. And, and also like reciprocate, but I really, yeah, just super thankful for like that space and for like such kind people that mm -hmm. so supportive like in that space. One part that really stuck out to me that I also resonate with was when someone told you like, wow, I could have never shared in the way that you shared. And for me, um, it happened, I want to say nine, almost 10 years ago. And it's like that constant like um, thing that I tell myself oh, I, I can't share it. What's going to happen? What does accountability look like? Why does it matter if I share? But to, to watch you and hear you do that, I was like, it does make a difference sharing your story and like just seeing how many people resonate with you and seeing like the community in action and, and supporting each other and lifting each other up. I thought that was just so amazing to witness. And so I kind of want to talk about accountability now and what you had done afterwards after sharing your story with this closed group and um, how you eventually made it more public and, and that experience, what that was like for you. Yeah, of course. Um, so accountability, <laughs> a lot actually happened after that. So uh, maybe like the following week after I shared my story with like this healing space, I finally had the courage to post it on social media on my own private uh, personal Instagram account. And it blew up like crazy. And I just it was it was just so overwhelming. I really didn't expect for it to blow up the way it did. Um, so many uh, people that I haven't talked to in years reached out to me people like everyone from um, like alumni from like PUSO which was the club organizing organization that was kind of like the main part of my story um, every like it was it, like they all um, had reached out to me as a whole trying to ask what I wanted and how I like how I wanted to hold these people accountable and um, in a lot of ways, accountability played a factor both like with the perpetrators and with the club org and like just in so many channels, I guess. 
So a woman actually from this organization called UniPro, it is like a like when it's like a Filipino organization in New York. Um, I think they have different branches, but she is like a chair woman head. Um, her name is Kay, and she's a social sex uh, sex social worker, like a sex. No, she's not like she's not an actual sex worker. She's like a. <laughs> I'm like sorry, I'm not being articulate. She is. <laughs> She works about sexual education and she is a social worker. Like she educates others about like sexual awareness, sexual assault. Like she is like a boss and I didn't know about her before, but because I put my story out there, an alumni of Puso reached out to me and was like, hey, I really think you should get in touch with her. Like she really, like she saw your story and really wants to like um, just talk to you and like work with you and at first, I was kind of hesitant because I was so traumatized, I guess, from this, like, organization, uh, not UniPro, but, like, PUSO, and with, you know, how people in leadership, you know, treated me, so I was a little bit, like, guarded, but she reached out to me, and she was really kind, and I just felt like after speaking to her, I was like, I can't believe like people like you exist. Like, I can't believe such kind people like you exist. Like all she wanted to do was help me and work with Puso to change their like uh, structure and like, like have a more, you know, educated like uh, sexual like harassment, assault awareness, I guess training for their you know, leaders and everything. Um, so she, you could tell she was so passionate about what she does. And I thought to myself, like, wow, if I never shared my story, I would have never met this woman. I would have never worked with her. She wouldn't have, like, tried really hard to um, dismantle, like, these, like, toxic structures that already exist currently. Um, so in terms of accountability, like, at first, it was started out with, like, some video calls with, like, Puso and, like, talking to her. And, um, act, and that leaded to... Uh, them changing some things around, which I think, I, I don't think I can really get into most of it in this podcast, but it was really uh, disappointing to be honest how Puso handled everything uh, towards the end. Their whole thing was just a very, very uh, swift apology post denouncing uh, the, the uh, person who I like was part of my story and they didn't even name his name or anything just said like this person who was like you know there's these accusations and it was a very vague apology it was just like yeah he um he's not with us anymore like he's not uh he's like denounced as like alumni and won't come to any more activities and yeah that's it and it was just literally just like a facebook post and mm -hmm. i think they tried to have like put more training stuff but even Kay was really disappointed because they kind of was very uh, bad with communication with her and just kept telling her like, oh, we're just, you know, we're just students. Like, we don't really know what we're doing. Like, mm -hmm. please be a little more like kind on us and whatever. And I'm like, uh, hello, like someone got sexually assaulted under like your club. Like, are you gonna tell me to be kind to you and the little patient? Like, um, just so many things. I'm going off on a tangent. I'm sorry. Accountability. In that sense, with Puso, I felt like 
really disappointed because mm-hmm. I was like, literally, this is like a slap in the face. Like I'm in, literally investing all this time trying to eat, like give you my like help while I'm still hurting. Mm-hmm. And like, you're literally just like brushing me aside and you don't give a shit. So that in a way kind of taught me to just like calm down and not try to put my hands on everything to try and hold accountability because I think when you're hurting and you're like so vulnerable and not really in a good mental state because you're literally you're going through like PTSD and trauma and all these triggers and everything is bombarding your mind at once on top of all those things oh and a pandemic and you're still trying to like hold meetings with the club and that you're not even a part of anymore and you're still trying to you know dismantle the structures and that you know club Mm -hmm. like that's a lot on a person (laughs) that's a lot on one person and um I so one part of me kind of when I look back I'm kind of like you shouldn't have tried so hard I guess but I think when you're like I said when you're in that state of mind you're just so I guess distraught you just want to like um do anything to Mm -hmm. I guess make yourself feel better but also like you don't want that to happen to someone else ever again yeah in terms of the perpetrators, I uh, called them out and I made them donate money for a charity because I was like, I guess just just so much anger in me. I was like, there's no way you're just gonna give me a stupid apology over text and get that's it. Like, no, I want you to suffer a little bit. Like, fuck you. <laughs> and so like, I'm just not out of spite. I mean, he's a little bit out of spite, but I mean, they, they put me through so much at the time that I was like, I think it was just a lot of lingering feelings. So everyone but one person donated um, uh, money um, to like two organizations that I chose. One that helps like, uh, like, the youth in New York City like find housing and just like are um just like in need of you know services and don't have like financial support or like family support and the other one is called Safe Safe Horizon and also helps sexual assault uh survivors and like just help them get back on their feet and like fund their therapy and like all that um and I wouldn't have known these organizations if it wasn't for Kay either Mm. So she really played a huge part in just like educating me and like helping me through the healing process and journey. And also because of her, I also found accountability through a healing space. So a lot of these things, I feel like I didn't post on social media because it was very private and it was just so much going on every day. And I didn't really just have the energy to keep updating everyone, you know, like this is happening. Oh no, update, like this is happening, you know? And it was very personal and energy consuming and hard to like even try to you know hold so she actually held a healing space for me and the president of the club at the time wow and yeah so we actually had a video call um where I saw his face and it was I I didn't show my face because I just didn't feel comfortable but it was a space for me to say everything I've ever wanted to say to him that I didn't get the chance to Mm -hmm. and for like my 19 year old self to like speak out I guess and like come out and um you know yeah and so I actually freaked out when she first like 
introduced the idea to me. I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm never going to talk to him. He like ruined my life. No, no, no. But the more I talked over it with her and the more I realized that healing circles are not for them, it's for you. Like it's really for you to own your space and to take back like what you kind of deserve and what, you know, they've kind of pushed down for so long. Um, And so I didn't even know how to go about it because I felt like I had so much rage inside of me that I just felt like I was gonna not be even articulate like be articulate and not even like I think I would just cry so um I took the time I told her can just give me some time and so actually from the time she like gave me the idea until when we actually did it I think a month like it was like a month for me to really like get it together uh, but I think for these things, you can never really prepare a hundred percent, you know, like you're never going to be fully prepared. Um, so I wrote out everything I wanted to say. And when the time came, I just started bawling. Like when I saw his face, I just started bawling and everything I said, I just read off of my phone and I was shaking and I was crying so hard and, um, he listened to everything I said and he actually showed remorse for and he apologized um and this is the president of the club by the way this is not like the perpetrator who did these things to me but, uh the other you know my ex but yeah and he I think he was so taken back from and I think it's a little hard when you're just sitting there and someone is literally reading an essay to you about how much they hate your fucking guts. So, you know, Kay is kind of sitting there and being like, so how, how do you feel right now? Like, how are you? And he's like, um, I, um, I'm just, I, like, <laughs> like, like, you have nothing to say. Like, I, I was kind of understandable. I, I kind of understood that, you know, like, that is a lot on a person. Like I literally just dumped like trauma on you and now you're, I'm just like, take it like, <laughs> a lot. So I'm, and then um, he's just like, I'm just so sorry. Like, I really, I'm like, I'm really sorry. I never meant for to hurt you this much. And he started crying wow. and he just broke down. And so um, it was crazy. Cause in my mind, like my mind is still like reverting back to its 19 year old self and like oh but you're like the president of like Puso and like you're this evil terrible person but then you're showing remorse and you're crying and you say you feel bad and like now it's like 2020 and I'm just confused so like my mind is just playing games on me and I'm just crying like a shitstorm and <laughs> yeah and so it was really really emotionally crazy um and I don't really remember what else he said, but I think just what stuck out to me the most is that he showed remorse and he felt really sorry. And he, uh, I couldn't, I never talked to him again after that. I never, um, Kay suggested like wanting a second healing space for us to like meet up another week, but I just didn't feel like I wanted to. I was like, I have no reason to talk to this person anymore. Um, and after that, I felt like a huge weight was lifted off my shoulders um because that had eaten me up for so long and I didn't realize how much it affected me and I guess it was good closure in a way because it it really finally gave me like what I needed um and 
uh, I think Kay, uh, because he's also a uni pro, Kay kind of continues to work with him. And knowing Kay personally and knowing that she's like, don't worry, I will hold people accountable for it. Like, she is like a boss woman and she really cares about this kind of stuff. Um, so knowing that she's part of the same organization and she's the like chairwoman of you know that and works with him, I've kind of felt like relief. Like I know under her, you're not gonna ever do that to someone again. And showing remorse and you know, all these people around that probably saw my story and is around you, I'm sure they're gonna hold you accountable too. Um and for a while, I was really hung up on like, like these people being held accountable that I felt it was my responsibility to. Mm -hmm. So it took a lot for me to just be like, okay, you need to calm down. And like, you need to stop caring so much if these people are held accountable or not, because this is out of your control. You, you brought up this great point that I didn't even think about, um, kind of like giving space to heal first before taking on this huge burden of keeping people accountable like the people who hurt you. Um, and like those two things, I think is very crucial after something traumatic happens. But the way that we like navigate both parts is also very crucial. And, and maybe they don't need to exist at the same time. And that's something I didn't think about before. Because like similar to you, I'm still to this day very angry. Like whenever I think of sexual assault and like mm. toxic masculinity, I get so angry that I cannot handle it. Like yeah. it's bad. But so when I think about accountability, I don't even know how to approach that topic. Hard. It's, it's so hard. And, and like also the Me Too movement happened alongside of the Black Lives Matter movement. Mm -hmm. And like, accountability in these two spaces um, can look very different if we talk about like abolition um, and like punishment and, and what that means um, to keep someone accountable. I mean, I guess it's, I'm sure there are differences, right? But um, in our community, like to keep someone accountable, is it to like cut them off from everyone or like forever I don't know isolate them or forever have this kind of like a scarlet letter like yeah, you yeah, know yeah. put placed on them forever and mm -hmm. it's like I, I don't I don't know is that helpful even I, I don't know now we are trying to ask the the person who was hurt what they want right yeah. but it's like we don't fucking know what we want yeah. <laughs> Oh my god, this! Oh my god! Literally! Every time someone asks me that, I'm like, I don't know. I don't even know what I'm feeding for breakfast tomorrow. Like, stop. Like, it's already so triggering and traumatic. It's like, you, yeah. And, but I think what you brought up is such a good point because maybe, I don't know, I'm taking a leap here, but like, maybe we don't know because we haven't healed that uh -huh. part yet and like haven't had the mental capacity to to even think about you know what we want for accountability yeah. um which is what what you kind of mentioned as well so because it's I, like you were talking about before with the like call-out culture and like where does accountability end you know do we like shun them from like ever living a normal life like I don't wish that upon anyone like I think that's really just not a way to live like 
of course I have like rage sometimes and I'm like fuck you <laughs> you should you should just have like no one no friends but like it when I when I'm like calm and I'm like like level-headed like I really don't want anyone to suffer for the rest of their life for like who they were um like three years ago like I, I really hope that they change mm-hmm. which is why I wanted them to donate to charity and to for him to like maybe go to therapy too then I wonder what healing looks like for you and what are some of the things you do t- to heal I think the number one thing was therapy mm. which is huge in anyone's healing journey like I honestly think it's essential like maybe I'm just biased but I, I think for uh sexual assault survivors or you know people have been through abuse like that is like a really big percentage of healing um, because you need to unpack like all this trauma and like things that you've put you know suppressed for like so long and things that you might not even want to be willing to talk about but kind of uh want to be strong enough to, to eventually talk about it so you can feel better um and so how you how you were saying before how there's no time limit you know to healing i think i was approaching it with that mentality in the beginning I kept thinking like legit I was putting like a deadline on myself I was like all right it's the summer maybe if I just heal like for I'm just in therapy for like three months and then um school starts in like September like it'll be all good like I'll be totally better and then I can just move on with my life and this will never happen again but that is not the way things work that is not the way your body works that is not the way your mind works like um yeah and so I had to really tell myself to calm the fuck down and just take it easy and like just like just gradually like do things like um I was taking the mindset of like I'm just gonna go to therapy every week and then like I'll have this x many sessions and then like by this point I'll be better and then like you know I was putting a timeline on myself and then that is ridiculous like um uh yeah and so I went I found a therapist and like I said before timing couldn't be crazier because I had actually just started seeing this therapist for other reasons but it just happened by like our our, only our second session like all the stuff started happening so I tried to work with her like through it and found healing also through just personal hobbies like getting back into photography um being outside in nature more um and because it was quarantine it was really hard to see people so I guess just having a close support system like really having like really good friends and people that you know will like be there for you um talking to them and just being honest and like vulnerable with them about how you feel and journaling is a huge one um and I just invested myself more into being like creative outlets and like dancing and um, that I think that um, did play a big part in my healing, just, you know, therapy and like, personal projects. I kind of want to go back, like maybe to the sure. beginning a little bit, um, because one part really stuck out to me that I'm curious about, um, which is you say that like from the point of when you were 19 right until like kind of realizing what had happened last year there's like that gap right and I wonder if even though you didn't realize you know 
had a grasp on what had happened to you. Were there situations where the traumas did kind of manifest or um, were you still like triggered um, by certain things, but like you didn't know those were your triggers? Oh my God. Yes. So many. And I think that in the overall I guess, journey and looking back on everything, I think that's the most painful parts when you think about it. Uh, For me personally, because it's like, it's just, one, it's triggering, yeah, but also because it's just like very emotional to reflect on everything and be like, oh my gosh, I acted this way because of this. And like, because like this was affecting me so much internally, but I had no idea. I think that really um, makes me feel sad because for one thing, it makes other people kind of feel like, what? Like, why would you act that way? And it kind of gives other people the wrong impression of you when it's really not on purpose. And on another way, it adds to your trauma because uh, um, you're repeating like similar behaviors that you would used to do, you know, when you're 19 or what you learn from like abusive relationships over and over and over again. And you're kind of like, I don't know why I'm doing this, but it just feels like I should, but why is it wrong? And why do I keep, you know, getting hurt after? I, and so when I look back at it, I think it's even more painful because I think it added to the layers of trauma and then you're unpacking everything like after like years of like, you know, adding on top and top and top. But yeah, so I think um, for one thing, abusive uh, relationships, I actually, ever since that relationship, I never dated anyone after like it's been three years and I still haven't uh been in like a committed like long-term relationship after that um and I think that played a huge part all the guys that I would you know go on dates with or have very like you know one-time things like during like a phase they were all very you know all very similar kind of guys Mm -hmm. like all shall I say fuck boys <laughs> like fuck boys um and they just had this like nature to them that was very similar to the ways that you know in the past you know what I've experienced because that's all I knew mm. and so in their terms of behavior it would be like their ways of flirting it's like being mean and then ghosting you and then like making you feel like oh why don't you like me so I'll keep trying harder it's like so unhealthy and um just messes with your brain and your self-esteem so much and you think that their behavior is like cool and like masculine and like whatever but in terms of um sexual abuse I think that's where it hurts the most because like after that I would like if I did sleep with someone it was like they would repeat the same kind of behaviors like he would do and if if that means like being like coercive and just be feeling very pressured um being very aggressive and then you think that's normal like I think that's very um the most fucked up thing because it literally changes your perception on like sex and what you should be like during sex or what their partner should be like during sex and um that's still like really hard to still unpack I think um and I think I when I think it's the moment when you realize these behaviors aren't normal is when you experience like when it's healthy and you're like this is fucking crazy because you experience such terrible like abuse and then you experience that you're like 
it's actually what you experience should be like literally the normal standard but then you but then like you experience it and because you experience this you're like like sex should be like this like that's wild and so i remember um when i was unpacking everything and i told my friends that they were like um i don't think that's normal like i'm pretty sure this guy was maybe like not like i think he was pretty normal but like you think it's amazing because like like what you experienced was literally abuse and terrible mm-hmm. and and the opposite too where i would um hook up with someone and he would be like similar if like from my past and i'm pretty sure looking back at it it was like sexual like abuse but then in my brain i literally registered as like oh yeah that was normal that's the way it should have been like i know it like it wasn't pleasant but i guess that's the way it like is mm-hmm. that was just like whoo and other than you know sex stuff i think with like the bullying the gaslighting the toxic friendships i had when i met bigger friend groups i closed up like crazy i can't even talk because i remember like feeling so scared and then i would like self sabotage and start thinking this person's going to ruin like this person's going to start talking shit about me this person's going to start acting this way like it and and for some reason i felt this like anxiety every time i was around new people and i didn't know why and so i just thought it was normal but then when i unpacked everything like years after i was like oh my god i acted like this with like this group of friends because of like what happened in my past or like this person i kept straying away from because he reminded me so much of like the perpetrator or like the people that you know did me dirty like back then um and so it like i said before it kind of makes you look very closed off or makes you look really bitchy maybe or you know not that friendly but it's really because i think you're unpacking you're i mean you're not realizing it's affecting so many areas of your life and in terms of just like speaking up and being uh social i feel like i'm very shy when it comes to like huge huge um you know groups of people like well like i was saying before but like to a point where like i'm so afraid to even like go up to someone and like you know just be like hey i'm sad like whatever and um just like ways that i didn't even realize i was uh being more closed off when i like and did it, i didn't even realize it you brought up so many great points um mm-hmm. i i like i don't even know like so much of what you said is so relatable the ways that trauma shows up and you don't even know it and you look back and like that looking back is also like not a great experience oh, in itself like you're like trauma on trauma, trauma. <laughs> yeah seriously like someone make it stop like can can we do this um i think like similarly i find the same patterns that i also do when i'm dating when i'm like in my sex life like um, I, I talked to my therapist about this. Like I was also kind of unpacking it while shit was going down. Um, and she said that, you know, oftentimes like survivors try to reenact what had happened to them to try to flip the script and try to give a new outcome to what had happened. Um, and I think her saying that like, explained the ways that trauma works um for me 
and my experiences and and why I choose to, you know, repeat some patterns, even though we know like, what the fuck, that's not the right thing to do. Or like, why am I doing this to myself? I know it's bad. Why am I doing it? You know? Um, but it it's also like, it's not us doing that. It's like our brain in a way trying to protect ourselves, um, yeah. Yeah. trying to like rewrite history and, and yeah. trying to give us hope in a sense, um, which is all very confusing. This whole thing is just a confusing mess. <laughs> yes, yes. Oh, it's very, I, I know what you mean though, because I do feel like when your brain like what you said before, like when you're in these situations and now I think also going through therapy, like I'm sure you can relate. It's like, you're more aware of like the patterns or you're like, I know I'm doing this because like I'm self-sabotaging or whatever. Mm-hmm. So your brain is like fighting with it- itself because half of it is like, you're doing it again, so stop. But the other side is like, I can't stop because I've been doing this so long. <laughs> like it's really just like two things going on at once. And then at, at, by that point, I'm like, I can't even talk to this guy normally anymore. <laughs> I don't even want to try because it's too much energy. Like, yeah, I don't want to, dating is too much work. <laughs> and I just continue <laughs> on with my life. But it's just, it's a lot of, yeah, it's a lot of, um, it's a lot to like, just calm yourself down and like make make the I guess uh reflexes like stop because Mm -hmm. you're and it's such a strong reflex and sometimes you do it so naturally you don't even realize that you're doing it and that it's like so fast yeah Mm. yeah and you know there's so many times where I do do it and I look back and I'm like oh you were kind of mean like you should (laughs) have No, because of your reflexes, you know, like you should have just like been a little nicer to this person or like, you know, and then I kind of close up again. I'm like, whatever. Yeah. And I think I say that to emphasize the point that healing is not like some fun thing. No, yes. Yeah. It is dying. Oh, God. You're so right. (laughs) Oh, that is so true. Healing is really hard. It's, it's so hard. Um, I think there's also a misconception that people think that, well, I don't know for most people, but in my head, I think, I think that, I think because, you know, when people come out with these stories on social media, it's really easy for someone to just screenshot it and send mm-hmm. it to their friends and be like, oh my God, this happened to this person. Like, oh my, it's like gossip in a way. And mm-hmm. I think like one thing I really want to make vocal is like, your trauma is not gossip. Your life is like, my life is not a, like for you to pick apart and for you to like be like, oh my God, this person said this. And um, I think because Puso was such a toxic structure where it, gossip was huge and everybody talks about it like one another. I just, one side of me after I like shared my story, I know like it helped like a lot it resonated with a lot of people but also it made me close up a lot um on social media as well because after that I just wanted to become so private about my life because something so personal was like out there in the public and for so many people to read like such personal stuff about me made me so uncomfortable at the same time and there's still that paranoia of like I don't want you know random people to be gossiping about me there's still that like like thought there and 
it's definitely something I need to work on. But now I, I think it's a self-defense thing. Like, I'm like, oh, like, I don't want this person to know anything about me. I don't want them to ask about my story and whatever. Um, and you're just very guarded after that. So I'm not sure if I would recommend for people to be like, yeah, come out with your story, like post on social media. Because I think even although it did have positive, you know, like feedback, I did, I do think it definitely also came with like a little bit of um, me still having like some issues I gotta work on. <laughs> like just, you know, just like being way more private and wanting people to know everything about me as much anymore and just yeah yeah Mm -hmm. I think that's such a important piece to share because like I think people can easily see someone like post their story and then think like what I said before like wow you're so brave I want to be like you and then but not think about the backlash and of everything and that experience is so nuanced it's not all like fun and rainbows and butterflies like you don't get, you don't always get what you want in the end um if you're lucky you do right but coming out with a story there there are always going to be people who don't respect um what you have to say or even you as a person and to understand the entirety of that experience and not just like oh, on the surface, it looks like a good idea. Um, yeah, I, yeah. I think it's important for people to to realize that. Yeah. Definitely. And I also think um, it's also let me uh, think about the ways that people uh, are, I want to say trained. I, I think it just made me uh, realize that a lot of people aren't aware of uh sexual like assault or just survivors and how I guess extensive like the healing processes and like how just like how much more there is to it um from the responses like that I did receive I mean for the most part they were really positive but at the same time I was a little disappointed like I was just like wow some people just really don't know how like aren't aware of like and they're not in the way they react or the way they speak to you. It's just very like poor. And you're just like, what? Like, um, for some people, there's just like a lack of like a social awareness, I guess. Like, um, like you were saying before, how people keep asking, like, what do you want? You know, like, what do you want to, how to hold people accountable? I think it, it's just like people who, uh, are just a little bit insensitive and just like kind of talk to you about like logistical stuff about like how to handle things and you're just like dude I'm still trying to heal like you know like um I think some yeah I just think that there should be more like awareness on like how to help survivors after you know the aftermath and healing and just like being there for them um I think it's really important because you know, like we said before, like, there's a lot of triggers. And sometimes, you know, you could get triggered out of nowhere. And it's just very uh, important to be aware of those things, especially like if, if you're, you know, in a support system and want to be there for your friend. But it's also hard to, you know, put it out there. Just like, PSA, like, do this for me. Like, like it's a little strange. So I just, I guess it's, it's like something I thought about a lot, but just never really like, didn't know how to, you know, it's, it's kind of hard to ask people for help sometimes, you know, because we're not used to it. Um, 
Yeah. 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 I want to ask you one final question. If you could give one advice to your younger self, what would that be? Ooh. I guess to like my 19-year-old, like the, you know, the person going through all that stuff at the time. Wow. I guess I would tell her that life really does get better after and this isn't your whole world like these people are just a few people you just met in college you just got into college you're not even gonna stay at that college <laughs> like <laughs> like your life gets so much better and just you know I don't know keep going <laughs> because um when I look back I'm like wow my life is so different now compared to three years ago and I would have never imagined like where I am now compared back then and I think when we're younger we think that that's your whole life because it's like your whole social circle your whole everything but when you get out of that bubble and you you know have different experiences like um you're just so shocked that like it just keeps getting better so Mm -hmm. I think it's a good positive note to leave off like yeah it really does get better yeah that's beautiful thank you so much do you want to share like your social media or anywhere that people can follow you or um, reach out to you or anything like that oh yeah uh you can follow my photo account it's steph wang photo on instagram with a ph and i vlog my (laughs) taiwan adventures on my youtube channel um I don't have like a customized name but you could just find me I think you just type in Stephanie Wing like Taiwan and I'll pop up <laughs> um oh. but yeah I want to watch my videos and stuff I'm they're great stuff. I watch them all the time yeah, so much, really? <laughs> yeah no because I I want to go to Taiwan so bad so I'm like living through your vlogs you should come I know <laughs> I really want to Um, I'm going to put all of the resources you mentioned, um, like UniPro and, you know, just all the things that you want to share with um, whoever's listening in the description so people can learn more um, and contribute to the cause and uh, continue to support each other and uh, help us all heal together collectively. Well, thank you so much, Steph. This was so fun. And and I loved this conversation that we have and, and how honest everything was. So thank you again. Well, thank you all for listening to today's episode. Special shout out to Kay and UniPro for being a supportive resource for Steph and for their continued work towards helping Asian Americans. Talk to you all soon. Bye.